What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. Friday, June 4th. You know what that means, folks. The NCAA College Baseball Tournament is upon us. And on today's show, we're going to be celebrating that by having on Chris Lee from Southeastern14.com. Chris is a long-time podcast host, radio host, worked for several great websites, including the one he helped launch at southeastern14.com. Chris knows his baseball. He's excited, just like every one of us are excited, for the NCAA baseball tournament. Folks, it is here. Postseason baseball is in the air. Hot dogs will be sold. Families will be making their way to the ballpark with family and friends. and A good time will be had by all. Even if your team doesn't make it to the Super Regionals, a good time is in, is in fact to happen when you're at the ballpark cheering on your favorite college baseball program. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at MitchDavis underscore eight. Like and follow the Facebook and Instagram pages at The Mitch Davis Show. And also check out the website at TheMitchDavisShow.com. We're going to be having extensive looks at the regionals and preferably all of the southeastern teams playing in the baseball regionals this weekend, not just inclusive to the SEC, but across the southeast. We're going to have you covered at TheMitchDavisShow.com. And Chris Lee and the fine folks, southeastern14.com, will have you covered with all things SEC baseball as we all get excited and get amped up for an exciting weekend of college baseball. At this time, I would like to welcome Chris Lee to the Mitch Davis Show podcast. I am joined now by Chris Lee from southeastern14.com. SEC beat writer, podcast host, does a lot of excellent work for the brand new southeastern14.com. Chris, how are you doing today? Well, thank you. I don't know if it's always excellent, but there's certainly a lot of it this time of the year, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to do. Baseball season and the postseason is a blast, and I appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's always an honor to have somebody new on. We were talking before. I met you at a Vanderbilt basketball game, and as my listeners know, I am a diehard college basketball fan, but college baseball postseason is not far behind. What are you seeing and what are you hearing about this postseason? Let's start with Vanderbilt. Well, Vanderbilt, I think, is in in good position. I think that it's got a strong team. Of of course, everybody knows Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, but they've got a younger arm in Christian Little, a 17-year-old freshman who was really good in the SEC tournament last week. They've got a really good, and I think underrated lineup maybe i think it gets overshadowed by the pitching but this is a really talented team you know they were preseason anywhere from from two to five i don't know that they dropped out of the top five all year you know health has been an issue with him mitch they've had about 10 significant injuries some are guys that aren't coming back uh, but they're also getting some guys healthier they had a lot of guys just beat up uh cj rodriguez their catcher for one just didn't look like the same guy to me down the stretch. Uh, just as a lot of these guys got tired. You know, Carter Young, they lost his shortstop two weeks ago. They, they may have him back for the regional. I guess we'll wait and see. But this is the team that I think 
is super talented as everybody knows, but I think Vanderbilt also got a tremendous draw. I thought the regional, and look, no, not that any regional is ever easy, right? That's not what I'm saying. But I look at theirs compared to some others, and I just think Vanderbilt got an easier path than that, and probably in its super, whoever comes out of the Greenville regional. So I think a lot of times in postseason, you look for teams that are, that are talented, but also teams that have a pretty good path to get to Omaha. And I think outside of Arkansas, it's harder to really find a team with a better outlook maybe than Vanderbilt. Now I want to talk to you about one guy in particular, a friend of mine and a local Memphian, Tate Colwick. He was out for six to eight weeks with that uh, thumb injury, hand injury earlier in the year. But since then, he's really made a difference, it seems like, in that Vanderbilt lineup. How important is Tate Colwick, and do you expect him to return next season to wear the black and gold? Well, he's important, and and depending on Carter Young, maybe a little bit more important than usual, he's taken down the shortstop job. He was the starting second baseman. Uh, you know, you said he had a hand injury. It was a handmade bone that he broke in the South Carolina game. I think it was the third game in their opening conference weekend. So he missed most of conference play, and handmade injuries are injuries that really damage your power. And I think Tate Colwick – if he wasn't their home run leader when he got hurt, he was really close. He had five, and he's not had one since he's come back. Now, he's hit the ball hard at times, but it wasn't unexpected just because when you had that injury, your full power doesn't come back. But you know what he's done is he's played really good defense. He's been a spark plug. He is one of, guys, one of the guys that when Tim Corbin was asked on Thursday about who his leaders were, I think he mentioned four guys. And Tate Cole was a guy not only that he mentioned, but he talked about for a minute or two after that. So I think he's really important. I, I don't know if he'll be playing second or if he'll be playing short, but he's going to be out there, and he's a, a key guy for them, I think, in the regional. Looking at Vanderbilt's overall lineup, is this a Vanderbilt team that has the capabilities of making a deep run here and getting to Omaha? How do they compare to those other teams that have won national championships? You know, I think there's some parallels to, to 2014. Uh, that was a team in 2014 that, that really struggled in the midseason. I, I don't think this team struggled as much as that one did, but they had a lot of new guys. I don't know how far back your your knowledge of college baseball goes or your listeners, but the, the 2013 Vanderbilt team was 26-3 and in the conference, which is a record that's probably never going to get broken. And that team kind of burned out at the end of the year. And the next year, a lot of those guys, Tony Kent being one of them, either got drafted or graduated and moved on. And, and you look up and they're overturning, goodness, I think it was seven of the nine guys in their lineup. Well, this was sort of like that because 2019 was the last time that any of these guys really played a lot of baseball. And there's not a single guy that's going to be in their lineup this weekend that was an everyday player then. Now, some of them played a little bit last year, but as everybody knows, they were just getting to conference play, and then the season got called off. So it really almost didn't count because they didn't even get into SEC play. Here's what I'm getting at, Mitch. Um, it's not the same situation, but it is a lineup that, that had its ebbs and flows. It was pretty good most of the year, but 2014, they get to the, the playoffs, and it just clicks. They win their regional three games to none. They win their super regional two to one. And then they get to Omaha and they win the same thing. And their pitching was a little bit the same too. 
that they threw Carson Fulmer from the closing role into the bullpen that year. They had Walker Bueller in the midweek rotation. Now, this is a little different because it's been rocker lighter the whole time, but they had two aces there. They've got two aces here. There's a lot of parallels to 2014. Uh, we'll see if it plays out the same with the trophy at the end, but if you're looking for similar teams, I, I would say that's the one that I most compare this one to, although this one uh, during the regular season, the highs were a lot higher than that one. I think that one was maybe 16 and 14 in the league and, and was the sixth seed in the Hoover. This was one that had a chance at the regular season title till the very last weekend. So, again, there's some places where that breaks down. But if you're looking for the most similar team, I think it would be that one. Now, heading south to Starkville, Mississippi, Mississippi State is a team, a program that is so hungry to win a national championship and return, at least return back to Omaha. Yet, they have kind of struggled as of late. They lost the two in the SEC tournament. They didn't really seem motivated. What do you expect out of Mississippi State, and can they make it back to Omaha this year? Well, can, yes. I mean, they're obviously talented enough, and and you talk about pass. I think States is right up there with, say, Vanderbilt, Texas, Arkansas is it's probably the foremost favorable pass to get to Omaha. But, you know, Mitch, I'm, I'm a little troubled by them right now, and it's three things. It's, it's not just the fact that they were awful in the SEC tournament. That alone I can kind of excuse because you see teams do that at times. They, they play for the NCAs and they, they try not to get worn down. So that, in isolation, doesn't really bother me. But there's two things, and all their SEC games – if you include the SEC tournament, their run differential was exactly zero. Uh, you see great teams are usually going to put up plus 50s, plus 60s, plus 70s in SEC play. Uh, so, and, and sometimes you get blowouts, and that skews things where teams throw arms when it's hopeless. But that also happens with everybody. So I think that combined with the way they showed out in Hoover or maybe didn't show out, and then the other one that bothered me was the way they played Missouri. Yeah. Uh, last home weekend of the year, frankly, I thought they were going into that weekend as a team to beat in the SEC. Uh, they got beat two out of three by Missouri, and it was nearly three out of three. And Missouri was hands down the worst team in the league this year, and frankly, the only really bad one. So I, I look at State, I, I love a lot of the lineup with Tanner Allen. And Logan Tanner and Rowdy Jordan, you know, we everybody I think knows about their pitching staff that how deep the bullpen is. Their starters have been really good at times, and so I think the pieces are there. But the fact that State hasn't been more consistent uh, to me is a little worrisome heading into postseason play. Now, staying in the Magnolia State, because a lot of people are talking about Ole Miss right now, they made an impressive run in the SEC tournament. They started on Tuesday and made it all the way to Saturday where they eventually lost to the SEC champion in Arkansas. What do you expect out of the Rebels this year? And it really seems to be do-or-die time for Mike Bianco to really prove himself as the head coach. Yeah, that's been an interesting program uh, this year. And I thought that no team probably did a better job of building confidence in Hoover than that one. Because the thing with Ole Miss, as we've known, since Connor Hoagland's been hurt, Doug Nikhazy's been the only real dependable starting pitcher they've had, and he's been fantastic. I mean, you can argue that he had the best year of any starting pitcher in the SEC. But the issue was after that. You know, they've got some talented guys, Drew McDaniel 
and a couple of other R's, but they just haven't been consistent. Uh, Derek Diamond being the other one that comes to mind. And, you know, they're, they're talented guys. You look at the strikeout to walk ratios, those are really good. Uh, but then you look at the home runs allowed, and, and that's where those guys get bitten. Now, I think in Hoover, which is a much more favorable atmosphere for pitchers, that normalized a little bit. Now, they're going back to Oxford, where that's been a problem at times. But I thought that Ole Miss, you know, they found about four really good starting pitchers down there. They already had one, uh, but they got two outings out out of McDaniel and Diamond. And then the fourth guy they threw against Vanderbilt um, on the Thursday game, or the Friday game, whose name escapes me. And that was kind of out of the blue. But the point is, pitching depth is where you win in NCAA play. And I don't know if Ole Miss developed it, or if that was just a one-off thing in the Hoover, but we're about to find out. And I think if that pitching depth is legit, uh, Ole Miss has got to feel pretty good. Now, I don't know that they're going to get out of that regional. They got Florida State, uh, and that's the kind of team you don't want. FSU's got three good weekend guys. FSU has had the pedigree of doing really well. Kind of opposite of Ole Miss. Ole Miss comes into a regional every year really talented, uh, but but they always seem to get upended either in their own regional or in the super. Florida State's kind of been the opposite. Sometimes they underwhelm in the regular season, and then they turn on the Jets once they get to the NCAA tournament. I, I think the matchups with those guys and Southern Miss, which pitches well too, are, are potentially problematic. But if Ole Miss pitches the way it did in Hoover, I think that it, it also comes out of that regional. We'll wait and see. Looking at another tough regional for an SEC team, that Gainesville Regional with Florida and Miami. Can Florida get out of that regional? That's another team that I'm, I'm starting to have a little doubts about because Miami's starting to look really good. They played really well against Florida in the early season. How do you see that Gainesville Regional playing out? I think Florida gets out of there, and you may know this, but those two teams played to open the college yeah. baseball season in Florida's new park, and Miami, to everybody's surprise, took two out of three, and it was surprising for two reasons. One, Florida was contentious, number one, and two, Florida's just owned Miami. And so to see Miami come in and, and get them in that spot was was interesting to say the least. Now, Florida got hot uh, down the stretch, but if you look at who Florida played, that explains a lot of it too. It, it, it picked off a lot of the softer underbelly of the SEC and won some series. I think Florida advances. Uh, I like the way Judd Fabian's played. Jacob Young was really, really good in the Hoover. Um, they've got some good starting pitching. Hunter Barco's been really good. Uh, Franco Aleman's been better. They've been better on the mound. Uh, they've got some guys at the back end. Christian Scott's been good. Jack Leftwich has been really good at times. But the issue with them, Mitch, look at the home road splits. They play really well in Gainesville. They don't play well on the road, and that's been a thing for a couple of years with Florida now. I think the issue for Florida, I think they get out of Gainesville, but you got Texas looming the next weekend in Austin, and I think that's going to be really tough for the Gators to bite off if they get there. Before we talk about the two best teams in the SEC, Arkansas and Tennessee, arguably, I've got to ask you, the biggest breaking news out of the SEC baseball 
Paul Maneri, LSU's baseball coach, is stepping down after the NCAA tournament. I've got to ask you, what is his legacy when he finally retires and LSU gets out of the tournament? What is Paul Maneri's legacy on SEC baseball in particular and also LSU, and who replaces him? Man, that's a great question because I think Paul Maneri – you know, well, he didn't have the misfortune of succeeding the elite guy. That was uh, Smoke Laval's burden to bear, and Smoke didn't do too well and, and was out after a couple of years. But, you know, LSU during the 90s just dominated with Skip Berkman. And once you set the bar of expectations there, it is really, really hard to come down for that. And, and Paul Maneri won a title at LSU. Goodness, I want to say it was 09 or 10, one of his first few seasons there. And that's where the bar got set. I mean, they were really good the better part of last decade. They were getting the College World Series with regularity. And they were winning some conference titles. They were doing really well in Hoover. But Skip Bertman had set the bar at the whole thing. And when that didn't happen, you know, there's been a sort of a grumbling atmosphere down there for a few years. And, and this year when they got Jaden Hill hurt and everybody thought they'd be a top-10 team, that kind of did them in along with the bullpen that just frankly, uh, other than Garrett Edwards, for the most part, has not been very good. Uh, that's a long answer to your question. But my, my point is this. I think just about anywhere else, Paul Maneri, I, I don't know that he'd be revered, but it'd be pretty close. Uh, in a lot of schools, he would be revered. But at LSU, where, where the bar had been set so high by Skip Bertman, they've won six national titles. And again, one of those belongs to Paul Maneri, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to take a little bit longer to assess him. And, and if the next guy comes in and kills it and wins national titles, people probably will not look on him as favorably at LSU. But, but I think you've got to say he did a really good job. You know, the, the thing that I ask of you, if you're my coach, do you get to the postseason? Do you get put in position to win the whole thing routinely? Do you win conference titles? And sometimes that just comes down to breaks, good or bad. Maybe he didn't get the breaks. Maybe he didn't. I, I don't know. But in any case, I think that he did a really good job. I don't know how the fan base will judge him immediately. But in my opinion, uh, he was a really good college baseball coach. And I think he deserves the respect that I hope he gets. Now, here, here's the next question because this is where it gets funny because, you know, you and I are both live in the volunteer state. We both live in Tennessee. We're hearing the noise about Tennessee baseball. One simple question. Is it 2005 again for the folks on Rocky Top? I, I think it might be. I like their team. I've got two issues with them. Uh, first is the draw. <laughs> they had no control over that. But I thought the draw the NCAA gave them was abominable. I, I, I just thought that Wright State <laughs> – not only is, is not a four seed, but I think they're a good three seed if they're seeded correctly. Um, and that's the one thing you don't want to start a regional is a team that can beat you in, in game one. And they led the country in scoring margin. I, I think they were plus 288 for the season in terms of runs. I think anybody else in the country was above 200. That's how good that team was. It was the rising league, and, and it's not the SEC, and I get that. But still, that's a darn good ball team that they catch in their first game. If they win that, they're probably looking at Duke, maybe Liberty, which is a good team. I just think the draw they got was great. And, and frankly, I'm not crazy about them getting Oregon potentially 
in the second round. But that that aside, is that team good enough to get to Omaha? Yeah, it is, absolutely. They've got pitching depth on the mound. They've got a, a pretty good bullpen. Their lineup one to nine is about as balanced as you'll find in the country because they can all hit. And, and that's what I don't want to pitch to in a regional because you start running out of arms and when there's no easy outs, you really can get yourself in trouble quickly pitching to that kind of lineup. Now, the other thing I will say, Mitch, is sometimes you see a team in this spot where they're not used to hosting regionals. They're not used to the pressure that goes with it. People are very excited. Uh, and that's a lot of weight for a program to carry around. You, you've seen some teams that suddenly pop up and are elite, and, and really it takes them a few years to get to the next step. Um, I think that's the thing that I'm wondering about with Tennessee. I saw with Vanderbilt those seven, where they were number one the whole season, but they cracked under the pressure against Michigan in a regional loss that nobody saw coming. That's my other thing with Tennessee is is how ready for are they for the moment, and we just really won't know, uh, I think, and, until we see them out there. Final question I have for you. The boys from Fayetteville, Arkansas, the Arkansas Razorbacks, it – I tell you what, Chris, I I don't know about you, but it really feels like the year of the Razorbacks. Can Arkansas be beat, or are they just on this magical run to Omaha where they'll bring home another national championship to Fayetteville? Well, we we get this a lot, right? This team is number one. It's been number one a lot of season. It's hard to see them getting beat. But the, the truth is, since the tournament went to the 64 team format in 98, I think there's only been one team maybe two that were one seeds that won the whole thing. Uh, and so that's kind of your cautionary tale when we talk about Arkansas. Now, now look, that, that, that's probably a fluke. I, I think that if you play 20 more years, you're going to see more than a number one seed win the whole thing. Uh, but my point is that that's really hard to pull off. I mean, there, there's 64 teams. Most of them are pretty good. Uh, and, and I would take the field versus taking Arkansas. But my goodness, this team answered the bell at every turn. It won the, the regular season title in an SEC that's as tough as I ever remember it and won the conference title. They've got the national pitcher of the year in Kevin Copps. They've got a lineup like Tennessee that is tough to pitch to. Uh, they're a senior-laden team or a veteran team at least. They've got a coach who's been there. They really have almost all the ingredients. Now, I don't know if they have the starting pitching. They've got Patrick Wicklander who's really good. Beyond that, you got some question marks. Um, and they had a key injury, too, to Peyton Paulette, who I think would have been a guy that probably would have started a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. So uh, there, there's some things with Arkansas that are a little daunting with the pitching and the fact that that's just a, a really tough needle to thread doing all they've done and then adding a national title to it. But I think they got a pretty favorable path to, to Omaha, and I would be surprised if they don't get at least that far. Last question I have for you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who wins the national championship? And let's say a month from now, who who wins that national championship? I'm going to take Vanderbilt. And I would take the field before I take anybody. But I just think when you've got Rocker and Leiter pitching in the postseason, and Kumar Rocker wasn't really good his last time out, but we saw this in 19 where he flipped a switch and just became a different guy in postseason. You, you got those two guys pitching – uh, you know, maybe competing for the number one overall draft pick. Uh, scouts have pushed back on that a little bit lately, and I, I don't think what I'm reading, either of them's going to go number one. But, hey, you get in the NCAA tournament, and you get in, in Omaha, 
and you throw a complete game two hitter or something like that, and the narrative can change just as quickly. I, I, I like that. I like their coach and Tim Corbin because he's been there and done that. I think they've got some other arms. I think the bats are good. Uh, I think they've been healthier uh, if, if they've got Carter Young playing this week and they've been in a while. I just think that there's a lot there to like. And when you've got Rocker and Lighter on the mound and they're going well, you know, everything comes down to a series, Mitch. It's either a super regional, is two of three, or a regional is win three games. And, and when you've got those two guys going, uh, and, and you probably will see them each four times if they get all the way to the title game, I just think that's really tough to beat in the end. So we'll see if it happens. But if you put my feet to the fire, that's my pick. <laughs> He is Chris Lee with southeastern14.com. Chris, tell them where they can find all of your amazing work on your Twitter and also southeastern14.com. Yeah, southeastern14.com is is where you can go to find our work. You can also follow the site's handle at 14 Southeastern. And and what we do is we cover the SEC in football, basketball, and baseball. And we really aim to cover – those three sports the way that everybody covers football we launched in february we've not covered a lot of football yet because our priority has been on the season in front of us and i think while everybody else is talking spring football and and big games of the football season we're engrossed in baseball because that's what's in front of us and it deserves coverage so if you're an sec fan looking for a lot more in those three major sports uh you're looking for in-depth analysis and information I think you'll love what we find. We also do a podcast generally three to five days a week. It's been five most of the time in season. We've tailed off a little bit in postseason baseball as I was in Hoover and just didn't have the time to do them. But you can get the podcast. It's called the 14 or Southeastern 14. You should be able to get that wherever you get your podcast. And we sure would appreciate it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. And I think you'll really enjoy our content there, too. Thank you. Hey, thank You have been listening to the Mitch Davis Show podcast. I've been your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the MitchDavisShow.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show, and also you can hear me on the radio almost every Saturday morning with Rob Brown on sidelines on Sports 56 out of Memphis, Tennessee. A big thank you to our special guests tonight and today. Chris Lee from southeastern14.com as he joined the podcast to talk all things SEC baseball. Folks, postseason baseball is in the air. Everybody's excited. I'm excited. You're excited. Now let's take us out to the ball game. Let's have us some Cracker Jacks and some hot dogs and get a Coke of your beverage choice as well. And I've been your host, Mitch Davis. Enjoy a beautiful weekend of college baseball in the SEC.